if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello there and welcome to episode 12 of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. We are back from a two-week break for the FA Cup uh, and we are here to review another round of Premier League action plus all the uh, events in both domestic cups and some of the best action across Europe's top leagues. With me, as usual, are Man United fan Nick Gilmer, who is fresh from going the distance twice with Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Hi, you're right. Yes, all good. And also sky high this week is George Harker, who's just had a win in London, which is as rare as it gets for Leeds United, and two wins on the bounce in the league. Isn't that right, George? Eddie Heights, yes. Hello. Getting the nosebleeds yet? (laughs) In 15th. (laughs) Not just yet. (laughs) Okay, so this week we're going to start with the relegation scrap at the foot of the Premier League. And George, that does not include you as far as I'm concerned. No, that's, that's good news. Thank you. So since Rafa Benitez has lost his job, which we uh, very much foretold on several episodes of this show, we will start with Norwich 2, Everton 1, the latest in a long line of awful results for Benitez's Everton. And it's one step too far, it's proved. What do you think, guys? Wow, what a mess. I think um, they've lost their director of football, their director of medical, their head of scouting, and one of the best left backs in the league to try and suit Rafa Benitez. And now he's gone too. What a mess they've made. So that's uh, Luca Digne, who's been signed by Aston Villa, right? Yeah. Just and I to think recap. If they'd gone with if they'd gotten rid of Rafa two weeks earlier, they'd still have probably the best left back outside of the top three. Yeah. It's the ultimate insult, isn't it? That three days after selling him because of the manager's fallout and they get rid of the manager anyway. It's uh, crazy. And the, oh, So the... they fell out, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, rather public fallout. And in his parting words, said yeah. something about one factor that ruined his time there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And yeah, and it's the ultimate barometer, isn't it? Losing to Norwich, it doesn't get any worse in the league. So, uh, yes, even you won there, didn't you? Even we did. Yes, just. <laughs> How did you know who I was speaking to? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, got a 1-0 win with a penalty. Benitez has never been known as a man manager, has he? So that, that, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, can I remind you that six weeks ago now on this show, we discussed Everton's last win, that last minute Damari Gray goal against Arsenal. Oh, the turning sense. point. It does not make sense. I don't. How did they beat Arsenal? Arsenal who are doing well, well. That's another matter. Arsenal <laughs> were just fodder for that, I think, for that narrative that for that night. But um, since then, it's been a defeat at Palace, a fairly solid point at Stamford Bridge where everybody was drawing in December. Then three games called off uh, around Christmas and then a defeat at home to Brighton, a narrow win in extra time in the Cup against Hull. We'll be speaking about the FA Cup third round later on. And then this defeat, uh, like you said, against bottom club Norwich, except with this, because of how tight it is at the bottom, they're not bottom club Norwich anymore, are they? They're up to 18th with 13 points. Well, that and the fact that Burnley have stopped actually playing football matches. Yes, uh, (laughs) Burnley, four games in hand on them, of course, and possibly five now, because we hear that their uh, midweek fixture with Watford, is it, this week? Even that might get postponed as well. They're like the team you get in Sunday League, 
that have like 12 games in hand on everyone else because they've got a terrible home ground, which always happens. There's always a team that can't play over the winter. They're becoming that team. They're going to, everyone else is going to finish the season while one game against Burnley. And I guess it's going to be how many games do they need to win to stay up because they'll yeah. be so cut adrift by then. Um, you have to wonder where they're going to fit them in, don't you? Yeah, thankfully I don't think they're in any cups, so I don't think they've got a problem with that. But um, yeah, there'll be a lot of other teams that might have a problem fulfilling their fixtures. So where do they go from here? Um, we'll have a quick look at the odds for next Everton manager. And quite incredibly, they've got Roberto Martinez at the top there. I cannot um, understand it. They yeah. are barking up the wrong tree if they think they're going to get the World Cup favourites manager in a World Cup year. It would be like... Um, Oh man, what was his name? The Spanish manager, Lopetegui. Uh, yeah, Lopetegui. It would be like him announcing he was going to Real Madrid, like yeah. on the eve, except actually going and missing out. It's a bit like Coman going to uh, going to Barcelona, yeah, and missing the Euros with Holland. So Wayne Rooney is in second. Duncan Ferguson, who you'd have to think is going to take over temporarily anyway, he's in there for, to be permanent manager. It's around six to one. Uh, Frank Lampard, which would give us all a giggle. Nuno, which would give me personally a giggle, I think. Other names on there. David Moyes to go back, 33 to 1. Can't see that, really. No. Uh, Solskjaer, 33 to 1, Nick. Mm, I mean, Everton used to take all of our unwanted players and <laughs> staff off us, but I'm not sure. Those, I think those days are behind us. Sol Campbell, 40 to 1. <laughs> now that would be... Same price as Fatty Terrin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, funny names the further down you scroll. But um, we know he likes a big name. We know he likes a headliner. They've already gone for Jose Mourinho, apparently, and been turned down. Um, really? Apparently so. Um, he's gone from Ancelotti to Rafa Benitez, tried to get Jose. I don't know where they're going to yeah. end up. They've had six managers now since February 2016. And, so you go uh, further back, you've got Coman and Allardyce. Mm. They just swing from one extreme to another. And, yeah. uh, obviously, Rafa's not the problem. There's, there's much bigger problems at that club. And I don't think a new Although he new was stadium, a massive one. Yes. Yeah. But I just don't mm. think a shiny new stadium is going to fix everything. Um, no. They have deep-rooted problems. And I was reading today how how much Raf has changed at that club in such a short time. He's moulded this club in his image and now he's no longer there anymore. Yeah, I think, I don't, I can't see everything actually getting dragged into the bottom, but I just don't, yeah, like I said, I don't know where they go from here. It seems a right real mess from uh, top to bottom. The thing that blows my mind is selling Luca Dean and backing yeah. Rafa Benitez when he's on the brink. And it, yeah, it yeah. does suggest that if he'd drawn or won against Norwich, he'd have still kept his job, which is crazy that they're doing it week by week match by match and he's one of their biggest assets the other one is Richarlison and yes. I think he's properly world class great overhead goal on Saturday yeah can't see him not kicking up a stink in the summer now to get you know Paris would take him Barcelona and Real Madrid would be in for, in like a shot I think he'd be pretty good at even somewhere like City in in their roster of attackers yeah um so that's the problem they've got now with this sort of lurching from manager to manager. With and of course, it's a World Cup year for him. It's very important. Yeah. Well, other um, than those two players, they have a, if you look at it, a, a mishmash, expensive squad that yeah. doesn't seem to have any balance whatsoever. Still relying on, you know, homegrown talents as well. That Anthony Gordon looks like a good prospect. But yeah, I, I just think they are, they need a complete overhaul, not just a manager. I quite <laughs> like it, their central midfield, but then... As a United fan, mm. I, I enviously look at almost every other team, central midfield at the moment. <laughs> but I, I do think Decore is a player. Um, and I quite like Andre Gomez on his day as well. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, George. I think they're a 
they're a mishmash of overpaid players who would never have gone to Everton if they hadn't thrown serious money at them. So George Leeds are going to Goodison in uh, just under a month. Yep, new manager bounce, brilliant. <laughs> be interesting to see what that will, what sort of proposition that will be. Another game at the foot of the table on Saturday that was not televised but was very, very important was uh, Newcastle at home to Watford. So uh, Alan Sam Maximan scored a wonderful goal to rival De Bruyne, perhaps, for goal of the weekend. And Newcastle looked to be picking up these three huge points. But then with two minutes of normal time to go, Watford's João Pedro scored what was a fairly simplistic goal, um, a headed finish. Yeah, and Dubravka had been keeping the game to be fair up to that point as well. Yeah. They were hanging on, um, so it was kind of inevitable. I... Everything I heard and read in those closing minutes suggested that Newcastle were having a major wobble. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it came. And I think Watford had three debutants playing. I don't know where they, when they've signed these players. Um, right. I don't know how big their squad must be. Oh, they're all and... they're all probably officially Udinese players, aren't they? <laughs> probably. <laughs> one of them definitely is, actually. Yeah, one of them definitely Have is. Have they all been denied the right to go to the AFCON? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely nothing from Chris Wood, apparently. So Much to just, your enjoyment. They've yeah. bought a 10-goal-a-season striker for mm. half a season. They're going to get five goals out of them. Like, yeah. yeah, now this happened since our last show, and I wanted to say uh, quite a dastardly move by Newcastle, isn't it? We, I mean, as you said, Nick, he's not exactly banging them in. He's really, I suspect, they've bought him just so that he doesn't play for Burnley. Absolutely You're right. Yeah. Do you remember um, 2003, 4, I think, and Chelsea were fifth and struggling under Ranieri? Yeah. Year before that, Abramovich. That, that first season of uh, Abramovich, wasn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, that's right. And Kerbishley's Charlton were riding high and fourth above Chelsea. Yeah. So Chelsea went and bought Scott Parker in January. Yeah. Dastardly. Yeah. I love that word. Absolutely not dastardly. Sure, not sure it's what the two Nami had in mind. I know a few weeks ago yeah. we played them, they were singing about Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Chris Wood is quite what they had in mind, but um, it, it could be a genius move, right? They, they they actually play each other on the last day of the season. I'd love to get some odds on a wow. Chris Wood winner in that game. Wow. But nothing so far. And yeah, just about scraped a point against Watford is not, not what they intended. And the clock's ticking with January. Is it going to be too late? Or you could say it's a very shrewd move and they're building a championship winning team. They... It's very good in the championship. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> And just to explain, they activated uh, his release clause, didn't they? So it's not as if Burnley could do anything about it. No, and it might, you know, it might be a good move for Burnley. I mean, that's a lot of money for a thirty-year-old. They could probably reinvest that in the next two weeks or whatever's left of the window and use their new players for their, their five games in hand. Yeah, again, it, it makes you question whether or not these postponements are they're Indeed. waiting to get a striker yeah. in. Stockpiling the games, yeah. yeah. So the other thing that I want to pull Newcastle up for is uh, a couple of postponements, um, which I also think is a disgrace since they can sign whoever they want while these games are not being played. But uh, I'm sure we'll get onto that later as we talk about postponements across the league, which we're not a fan of. Um, Elsewhere on Saturday, there was the uh, big, um, well, what might once have been a summit meeting, but which really now was just uh, Man City confirming the title. Great Kevin De Bruyne solo effort, wasn't it? Love the finish. Love the fact on the slow-mo replay that he never looked at where the goal was. He just sensed where it was and put it right there in the bottom corner. Great goal. Also, a bit of a collector's item that he got away from N'Golo Kante trying to tackle him for that because I don't think he misses too many tackles. Uh, Chelsea played that first half 
very strangely, given the importance of that game to them. They didn't register a single shot, single chance. Um, they played it, in fact, uh, much in the manner that we played them in the League Cup, which I'll talk about a bit later, but maybe they learned that tactic off us. Anyway, it didn't work. Um, they lost and are um, 13 points behind City. Uh, just as a reminder, City and Chelsea are the only two teams that have fulfilled every fixture, haven't had any postponements. So it's uh, Liverpool with the extra game now. But Liverpool are also 11 points behind, aren't they? So, um, yeah, Manchester City still carrying on at their championship-winning canter. Uh, And then Wolves-Southampton, another good win for Wolves, which um, puts them up up onto 31 points. Uh, Adama Traore finally scored a goal, uh, notable for the uh, Spurs transfer target, which I'm not particularly keen on. But uh, the game perhaps most notable for Ward-Prowse's free kick, George? Oh, oh my word! Oh. I mean, he's he's he was already probably the best free kick taker in the league. But there's no doubt now. Absolutely, Absolute it's a knuckleball, I believe. Yeah, no right to score from that distance, even in normal play, let alone a free kick when the keeper's got so much time to see it. You'd think, but it was hit with such venom for for quite a slight lad. He gets so much power behind his shots as well. Um, obviously, he's traditionally known for his curling ones, isn't he? His his whips into the corner like David Beckham-esque. But yeah, this is insane. Yeah, hell of a strike. Really doesn't deserve to lose when you score a goal like that. This game also notable for Connor Cody's goal. I was reading today. He's he's, he's played over 350 games for Wolves and this is his first goal at home for them. His last goal at Molyneux was for Huddersfield when he's playing against Yeah, them. I did hear someone say his last <laughs> one was for Huddersfield, which shows how long yeah. ago it must have been. And mentioning David Beckham, that puts uh, Ward-Prowse mm. on 12 mm. Premier League direct free kicks, six behind David Beckham. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Might make it. Might. I think he's only one of four players who's got more than 10 penalties yeah. and free kicks as well. Mm. He's, he's, he's becoming quite a, part of an elusive list. And I know we say this every week about some players. I wonder if he's destined for maybe one big move. I know he's... Yeah, pushing 30 I, nearly, but he is... He's, really like him, really prime. like him. Mm. But it's his childhood club, isn't it? You sort of, at this stage, you want him to stay there. Yeah, but I, um, always uh, does well against us. And yeah, just an absolute peach of a foot. Mm. So then, uh, not much time, Nick, but uh, briefly tell us about United experience at Gerrard. Tuna that, drew to all, move on. <laughs> I so, just think I um, think I did, uh, I did see the beginning and that hilarious error by Emmy Martinez, who is a great goalkeeper. Oh, He's yeah, proven himself to be, but that really was quite farcical. I'm quite used to goalkeepers having absolute worldies against United week after week, but yeah. um, that was an absolute shocker from him. And he's again one of the best keepers in the league, I think. Um, just every week, new ways of incompetence. I think, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an unlikable team of coasting idiots, They've, they're mentally weak. <laughs> And there's a massive hole in the middle of the pitch as well with the, the central midfield. Um, oh, let's move on. Well, you're going to Brentford this midweek, a rearranged game. And we've yeah. seen uh, the big sides. I don't know whether you're still one of those, but uh, the big sides have had real trouble at Brentford all season, haven't they? So that could be a watchable affair. They will be up for it, yeah. I think yeah. Um, smell the potential for an upset there if beating United at home is an upset anymore. And George, a bit of love for Coutinho's debut at Villa Park? 
Yes, um, <laughs> if nothing but Nick's expense, but um, <laughs> I think it's been slightly overhyped. Uh, I know right. Nick's not a fan of the old assists. Um, people yeah. get obsessed with assists only because of fantasy football. It just ricocheted off his shin and it was a tap-in, so I'm not giving him too much credit for that. But it is baffling to me how attractive Aston Villa have suddenly become. Yeah, oh, I'm not sure. I would say I think it's baffling how these players who cost 100-odd million, mm. they've got no options. Like, we've been painted into a financial corner all of these superstars they've got the Grealish money haven't they yeah they have and Luis Suarez is the latest apparently so so Gerard is well and truly getting the band back together it's, it's just been... Gerard's best mate isn't it <laughs> yeah I'm not sure why they've become such an attractive proposition but they'll have Sammy Hoopier at the back here. by next week <laughs> Okay, so in the Premier League on Sunday, it was, uh, of course, Sky's big day for the North London derby, prime time on Super Sunday. And ultimately, uh, George Leeds had the show all to themselves because Arsenal went and postponed the main event. Yes, yeah, indeed. Um, I think it only highlights what a disgrace it is, given the the school trip that was our subs bench. Yeah, uh, it's it is it's it's baffling. Cheating. It's cheating in plain sight, and I cannot believe it is. They're getting away we, we with lo- that. And yeah. thank you for saying that, Nick, because uh, they didn't say it on Sky. Of course, I fancy because they don't want to be seen as uh, putting too much pressure on clubs to get these games on, because everybody thinks it's Sky putting the pressure on, which I'm not sure it is. But in this case. I don't know if any of you saw the sort of pre-match build-up to West Ham Leeds, but they had uh, Sunes, Robbie Keane and Micah Richards in there. And it really, really got my goat because they couldn't bring themselves to properly condemn Arsenal for what they did. And in fact, they defended them to the tune of, well, it's what any team would do. And then, of course, Alan Smith, the co-commentator and former Gunnar, he said, he even said, I thought I would be fighting Arsenal's corner. He was just surprised with the amount of support Arsenal were getting on this show. So what I haven't seen in any other media is a proper discussion of who's taking the mickey here and who is not. Um, And of course, on this show, well documented that Leeds are not. And I feel that that should be mentioned. So let's do it. Since no one else is doing it, let's do it on our show. And let's actually have a look at who is exploiting these rules because they contradicted themselves on Sky, uh, I thought, when the, the, the various members of the panel said, Arsenal are only doing what any other team would do and has done. Well, demonstrably, it's not what Leeds have done. Mm. And then they mentioned later, Alan Smith would go on to say, well, I suppose Leeds have played a few games, including the game with Arsenal, which they then lost heavily and you've got to applaud them for that I suppose so absolutely contradicting each other what they were saying during that afternoon and it really really is annoying me so I have already mentioned that Chelsea and Man City have completed every fixture they haven't had any postponements and of course Chelsea and Man City sit at the top of the league they have the biggest and the most expensive squads so in fact you would you would not expect them to exploit this and I don't think we should be handing out medals to them for for not doing something that we find reprehensible in other clubs but the fact is they haven't so fair play um Arsenal well as we said a disgrace calling this game off with a documented one Covid case Odegaard was the only one Newcastle are another one that I'd mentioned they uh, got two 
away fixtures at, around New Year, away at Everton and away at Southampton postponed, and they will not be scheduled until after the transfer window. So that allows them to buy people like Trippier and Chris Wood and God knows who else and play them in those games that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to, which will be crucial for them. Tottenham, of course, I can't leave us out of it because we were the first to, to postpone a game because of COVID. But very significantly, as our club statement in response to Arsenal's postponement mentioned, we were kicked out of Europe because of yeah. doing this. So we've had our bad experience and we've been burnt. Uh, we got then the game with Brighton called off and then the game with Leicester was called off on Leicester's request. Um, Man United, Nick, maybe you can pitch in here. You've got the games away at Brentford and home to Brighton postponed. I don't remember whether that was your request or theirs, but there was definitely think... an outbreak at United. The training ground was closed, but I, I'm yeah. very much firmly in the camp that when you've got 80 or 90 players on your books, you put a team out. Yeah, so Man United, obviously huge squad, probably should have managed, yeah. Then you've got the curious case of Burnley, who are now already five games behind because they've had that one postponement for snow. Can't blame them for that, except having an old dingy stadium with no underside. <laughs> um but then, yeah, uh, Watford at home, Villa away, Everton at home, all postponed, and Leicester this weekend. So, like we've already mentioned, I don't know what they're thinking and when Sean Dyche thinks these players, these games are all going to be played and how that's going to affect his side. This is the madness of it, because they are postponing the games under the pretense of player welfare, and then they're going to make these players play six games in 12 yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, and they will have to, yeah. Yeah, and, and you'll never be able to complain about a mid-season break again because you've willfully pushed this into the into the future. Yeah, and I, I just I don't want to go through every single team, but I have to mention one more, and that's Liverpool because that really was a disgrace. They hadn't had any postponements until that Boxing Day game with Leeds, which Leeds had to call off because of their well-documented problems. And um, we know from the games that Leeds have turned out for and the kind of squads they've put out that Leeds wouldn't have done that unless they were absolutely desperate. I believe it's falling beneath the eight players yeah. for rule. That's, exactly. where got, that's where we got to. Yeah. But then Liverpool moved their first leg of the League Cup semi-final with Arsenal at very short notice. And we talked about this on our last show, didn't we? That just that um, they've got players at AFCON, they've got injuries, they've got some COVID cases, but not enough, not nearly as many as these outbreaks that have been well documented at Spurs, at Leeds, etc. You just sorry, you just alluded to one of my biggest problems with this. It's the timing of it and, and the complete disregard for fans yet yeah. again. Yeah. The, 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 I don't know, forgive me, I don't know exactly when your game was called off, but it was so late in the day. Yeah, that was Saturday lunchtime. Which yeah. is an absolute disgrace. It, it, obviously, the only way to fix this is, is a rule change because you can't trust clubs, to be honest. That's quite clear. But one of those rule changes must be the time frame that you call a game off. Is yeah, five, five o'clock. Uh, Tottenham statement came out, which I which I really enjoyed uh, because they worded it as we are extremely surprised that this application has been approved, <laughs> and I just feel for every Spurs fan who's a bit aware about history, there's a little nod there to uh, Arsenal being in bed with the authorities for the last hundred <laughs> plus years. So uh, I the quite like that, that um, uh, the statement. The thing that really is damning and, and it is proof and why I say it's cheating in plain sight that they are exploiting nuanced rules here Yeah, um, is it's the same week as the FA Cup when the rules were you play the match and everyone played their match. Yes. And then lo and behold, there's a loophole and all the big, it, it feels like the big clubs are moving the games to suit them. 
Um, and that might be a bit unfair because obviously you've referenced Newcastle and some of the other teams, but certainly this Arsenal postponement, the Liverpool. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to show tests. that it's. I wanted to show that it's not, but not, definitely not all clubs, no. and I don't think it's just big clubs either. It's just certain clubs have, like we say, some sort of moral ethical standards as displayed by Bielsa, and I do believe those are sincere. Uh, and certain clubs clearly do not. But to sit there on Super Sunday and say Arsenal are only doing what every club would do, I think is nonsense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They should be dot points. The precedent is there when Middlesbrough didn't turn up and it got them ultimately relegated. In the, yeah, my favourite tweet of the my favourite tweet of the week, I think, when somebody said, uh, "I wonder how the '97 Middlesbrough side is feeling now because <laughs> they got top points and went down because of all this. No loopholes back then." But yeah, there needs to be a tougher approach, doesn't there? I don't know how you fix that when you've let so much slide already now and uh, postponements continuing right up to this week, as we said, and who knows. We, we don't even know whether our games of the weekend will go ahead, do we? No. So anyway, all that aside now, let's focus actually on the football. This was still patched up Leeds United. You're no way near being back to full uh, strength. No, no, no. But no. you went to London. Super Sunday put the stat up there for all to see. One win in the last eight visits to London, and that was Fulham, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> you... <laughs> Leeds United get battered everywhere they go, essentially, except now at the London Stadium. Take it away, George. Yeah, well, this really was against all the odds. I think the, the broader stat is one win in 26 um, games. I think that was just Premier League games. Um, it, it stretches back much further than that. So that was the first uh, jinx. There was also the fact that West Ham have when beating West Ham for about 16 years, um, a, a lot of those years obviously being in different divisions. But yeah. Um, the game, which I know will come to the FA Cup soon, but they were significantly better than us last weekend. Um, and yeah, you we, played them in the FA Cup and lost 1-0, was it? Or 2-0 two two at the very end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and this was pretty much the same Leeds team because we don't really have a choice at the moment. Um, the only improvement being Rodrigo being back on the bench, although only half fit apparently, but it's better than nothing um, amongst the school children like I alluded to before. Yeah. And yeah, uh, uh, from the first minute, um, we were brilliant. I was so impressed with how we started the game um, on the front foot, all over them, restricted West Ham to very little. I think the tactics were absolutely spot on. Um, my favourite being allowing Ogbonna, who seems the most inept footballer <laughs> with the ball at his feet I've ever seen, allowing him to step out of the defence and not knowing have a clue what to do with the ball. It's yeah. brilliant. And just on it, tactics, George, can you yes. just uh, explain to us why on match of the day someone said Leeds mm. look a lot better in a 4-3-3? <laughs> Probably because we don't have any strikers at the moment. So, having, so what do you usually play and what changed? Oh, we usually play 4-2-3-1 with right. Bamford up front. Um, in this case, you've got Harrison, Rafinha and Dan James, um, all of whom had terrific games sort of interchanging up top. So we don't really play with a striker, not by design like Pep Guardiola does, but by circumstance, um, yeah. we're genuinely playing uh, a, a child if we put a striker out there. So, yeah, it did work. It worked to great effect. Um, and we deservedly took the lead um, through Jack Harrison's first of three. Um, I've said about what a struggle he's had this yeah. season. This is the Jack season. Harrison you know and love, yeah? Absolutely. Although he's never actually scored a hat-trick, so it's even better <laughs> than I know. Um, yeah, very well taken first goal. And... Typical leads from last season. It's carried on to this season. Um, the away team, the, sorry, our opposition has no threat whatsoever. And then they score from a corner. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It, it well, they're very been, good at corners, but still frustrating yeah. to lose a goal like that. Well, it should have been their second. Uh, Dawson yeah. missed an open goal mm. uh, two minutes before. Um, but then expecting heads to drop. Um, sorry, by this point, we've already lost two more players to injury uh, in the space of two minutes um, in Furpo and Forshaw, who went off uh, to be replaced by uh, two players who had one appearance each, um, Lewis Bate and uh, a young Norwegian called Yeah, what, what exactly happened there? Why were there two injuries at exactly the same time in the first half? Um, they both uh, tweaked the hamstrings, so I'm not sure if there's something wrong there. With Within a minute of each other? Yes, yeah, separate oh. injuries, yeah. Um, so a weakened team got incredibly weaker. They both made their debuts, funnily enough, the weekend before away at West Ham in the Cup. Um, but heads didn't drop, and we retook the lead just before half time from a set no. piece which surprised heads me, didn't drop it? except yours of course who kept telling me during the game that you definitely still lose well I, I i did have money on west ham 2-1 so i was a bit um i was kind of <laughs> willing that on to typical optimism yeah. yeah absolutely and went in the break 2-1 up and thought wow this, maybe we really could get a result here and i'd have taken a draw before kickoff all things considered yeah um, and then they score right at the start of the second half. And then really, do, you do think, I mean, even with the best optimism in the world, you think West Ham are going to kick on here. They've got strength coming off the bench. Um, they've got decent home record. They're fourth, you know, and doing well on all fronts and all the cups. Yeah. Um, but uh, lo and behold, we score again. And, and a sumptuous assist from Rafinha. Like, yeah, the yes, Rafinha assist, yeah. Yeah, went through about four players to find Harrison with the best of his three goals. Lovely finish. And Should it, probably it, mention uh, Fornells' solo goal as well. It was quite good. It was. It was um, a nice little finish. Um, he's so one of the more heralded uh, players, isn't he? But De Bruyne, Sam Maximan and Fornells all scored similar cutting in from the left solo efforts. Yeah, a bit of a weakness there, it would seem. And, you know, the score, I, I was amazed that the last goal was scored with 30 minutes to go because I think it could have finished 5-4. Um, well, they did have the ball in the net, didn't they? After a Melier double save, to his credit. Oh, thank uh, you. Didn't think you'd acknowledge <laughs> that. Wow. But then the Yarmolenko header going in and the offside flag straight up, that must have been delightful for you. And then oh, It's delightful just to see a linesman use his flag. Yeah, um, straight away. And then moreover, at the very end, in injury time, at the end of injury time, Antonio <laughs> hairs down the left flank. He uh, puts a perfect cross in and Jared Bowen, who is on top form and who's in our team of the half season, as we picked just the other week. And he decides to try and chest it in when he certainly would have equalised with his head. I don't know what he's thinking, but anyway, bizarre. And it goes straight over and uh, it saves you the three points. So, yeah, yeah. yeah amazing absolutely. results. Before that, obviously, believing my luck was completely out with our goal that was disallowed. Now, yeah. I... I don't want to bang on about it because it was by Leicester of Law offside. Yeah. But a player who's not even looking at the ball and the ball grazes in Rodrigo who stood on the line and a shot from a taste click comes in and grazes his thigh and it's given offside when there is, I don't know, maybe we need some sort of ball tracking like in cricket yeah, ju- <laughs> to just show that, that it was going in anyway. Um, just that Sunday morning, that very morning in the Observer, Jonathan Wilson had a column about uh, laws being so inflexible in football now with the application of VAR that referees mistakes get harder to swallow and that it's not really helping anybody and I think that was a perfect example that goal that uh, yes by the letter of the law all that you look for it on VAR you disallow it but Mm. really that player could never have interfered with the result of the action could he like no nobody no you know 
no West Ham player could have done anything about it had it touched him or not. So really no. common sense says goal. And I think West Ham even kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> no one well, even thought there was anything wrong with the goal. You know, it, 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 they're just looking for any reason not to give a goal. Exactly. Yeah, that happens too often. Bizarre. Yeah. But anyway, we, we won and it is much needed win. Actually, our first consecutive wins of the season. Yeah. Um, so, Burnley and West Ham. Yes. And Newcastle at home next. You've so. got an absolutely massive game coming up next, Newcastle. Yeah. And I, you know that we're all going to be behind you for that. I, oh, I think it's massive for them. I think it's massive for them. I, I think we could draw it and be fine. Sure. But I, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's enormous for them, uh, as every game is. Mm. <laughs> I suppose that drags you back into it if they do beat you. That's a good point. Potentially. We've got a pretty healthy gap now. And yeah, I would say we beat Newcastle and I'd, I'd be much, much more comfortable. How does it feel with the whole nation rooting for Leeds United, George? <laughs> it's very weird. There's far too much praise being sent our way, uh, given the, obviously, the perspective of the North London derby. Even Graham Souness talking about buying a season ticket is very, very strange. I can't get used to it at all. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what team we can put out against Newcastle. Like I said, two more injuries in that game. So we'll see. Okay, um, just to wrap up the Premier League weekend, uh, also on Sunday, but not televised, was Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. Because of the strange vagaries of the calendar, uh, it had actually been a month since Liverpool had won at home in the league, that that Newcastle match where Shelby scored first. Uh, This was pretty routine for Liverpool, 27 attempts, 17 on target, I think. Just right at the end of the first half, they broke the deadlock with a Fabinho header at the back post, really poor defending. And Bumo had a chance for Brentford in my fantasy team, sadly missed. But then uh, there was a wonderful cross from uh, Robertson straight onto Oxlade-Chamberlain's head with the diving header for 2-0. And then the third goal was just a mistake trying to play out by Brentford and Minamino made it 3-0. Maybe this will stop Klopp's whinging. The fact that I did read it was the first game since May 2017. They didn't have Salah or Mane playing. And they still managed to pull out a 3 0 win. So, wow, yes. Salah and Mane both at AFCON, and Salah indeed, Salah's Egypt lost their first match against uh, Nigeria, although he scored in their second match, which they won. So, they should be okay. And it should keep him away a little bit longer. (laughs) What do you think Liverpool will do? Obviously, the title's gone to all intents and purposes. Do they they start playing slightly weakened teams in the league and focus on the Champions League? I don't know. Because they're just fighting for second place now, aren't they? I mean, uh, I'm just looking at the fixtures after their trip to the San Siro to play Inter. They've got Norwich at home, so they can certainly <laughs> take it easy there yeah. a bit, can't they? In relative terms, I should say. No easy games in the Premier League. Absolutely not. OK, welcome back to part three. In this part, we're going to look at the domestic cups. So uh, we, in our last show, we previewed the FA Cup third round by saying what would happen to every Premier League team. Nick, I think you said uh, on FA Cup third round weekend that we got it badly wrong. I was really hoping you wouldn't bring this up. (laughs) What did I say? The cup set is dead? So six uh, Premier League teams have actually gone out, Um, but it could have been a few more, couldn't it? We've already mentioned Everton were really in trouble at Hull. Obviously, routine wins for Liverpool and City, although Liverpool went uh, behind to Shrewsbury, which was great, especially for their fans. I, you know, I, I dare not even mention Tottenham, Morecambe. I mean, I suppose it seems like uh, a long time ago now, but it was, uh, I think, 69 minutes on the clock with 1-0 to Morecambe, League 1 Morecambe at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium before Antonio Conte made any changes. And um, 
I had all sorts of visions of uh, what to do with the rest of my season. And, uh, oh dear, I was in a bad place. But uh, he brought on Skip, Lucas and Kane. Uh, and they were really sort of in a mood to say to the others, well, if you need something doing, do it ourselves. And within five minutes, we were level and actually won the game 3-1. But it really was awful. And uh, listening to it on the radio, just really, really bad. Um, conceded from a set piece to Morecambe. Who else was there? Norwich nearly went out at Charlton. As I said, they'd have a they'd have a tricky one there. But um, Nick, that, that was one you said Norwich would do comfortably. Man United cruised through against Villa, did they? Or no? Mm, they were better than I expected. Actually, no, they weren't. For eight minutes, United are as good as they've been under Rangnick. And then it was really, really poor. It was just dross. And uh, yeah, I think um, the better team lost. Right, yes. I, I did hear that, actually, from some pundits. Uh, Millwall went ahead against Palace at the Den, but uh, Palace turned that round. Uh, Chelsea got the walkover we predicted against Chesterfield, but Chesterfield scored a goal that was celebrated as if they'd won a trophy. That was quite fun to see. But yeah, make no mistake, result of the weekend. Uh, for me personally, result of the weekend was at the city ground with uh, Forrest beating Arsenal. I uh, went round to a friend's house, a, a Guna mate's house, would you believe it, um, to watch that. And it was really, really enjoyable, especially when uh, Nuno Tavares was hooked after about 30 minutes just for not showing any interest. <laughs> it was really funny. But objectively speaking, the result of the weekend was certainly... Um, Cambridge at Newcastle. And I remember our words about that. We said, uh, even Newcastle can't mess this one up. I can't believe that. I don't know. Kieran Trippier's debut. I was going to say, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So confident was I. I comfortably slid Newcastle into my coupon, my annual (laughs) third round coupon. And I would never normally touch Newcastle. And I just could, it was almost, it was over before it began. Yeah, mine was a mess as well, which just shows that the FA Cup is alive and kicking, doesn't it? And particularly their goalkeeper being man of the match, he's absolutely outstanding. He made, I think he made nine saves. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's not a Newcastle didn't try, but uh, I, love, <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love I love that when the keepers, keepers are man of the match. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, bad day for Eddie Howe. I'm not sure he's going to really miss the, yeah. uh, the commitment of the FA Cup, but uh, you do know that... Um, they are have have been for many years now absolutely fed up of uh, binning these cups up on the tide side, aren't they? The fans I'm talking about yeah. because mm. they know that they can't win the league anytime soon. Who knows nowadays with with the takeover? But certainly the last uh, couple of decades or so, all they want is a cup run, really, and their team really keeps just giving it away, doesn't it? In both domestic cups, yeah. I think it shows that the me- the mechanics of a football club, I think that will help them stay up. I think they'll, yeah. probably, they'll probably end up staying up. It'll probably be worth two or it three It will extend their winter break. Yeah, but I think the fans would probably take a, an FA Cup final and relegation, knowing that they're the richest club in the world and they'll come straight back and, yeah. and you know, jump up to the top of the league within four or five years. Do, do, do a Wigan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they've not been yeah. seen again. Yeah. <laughs> Although Wigan, of course, are in the hat in the fourth round. They beat Blackburn in the third round. Wigan go to Stoke elsewhere in the fourth round. Man United are at home to Middlesbrough. So that's another what you call a snooze fest, is it, Mick? Uh, no, it's nice to not have a mid-table Premier League team in the cup. Right. Um, yeah. Borough is a good, fun, interesting draw. And I believe they've given it the Friday night billing. Ah, OK. Yes, they yeah. have indeed, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably the tie of the round for uh, giant killing interest is uh, sixth tier Kidderminster Harriers at home to West Ham. I'm absolutely good. delighted to avoid that draw. Yes, <laughs> indeed. That would have been you, yeah, and that would have been another we know what We know what would have happened. Yeah. Graveyard of Leeds, yeah. Piston, etc., yes. Uh, Chelsea get Plymouth at home, which uh, is just another annoyingly easy draw for Chelsea, but a fun trip for Plymouth. Palace are at home to Hartlepool. Let's see, what else can we pick out? Everton at home to Brentford. That is an all-Premier League tie with a new manager in at Everton, maybe. City are at home to Fulham. So again, City and Chelsea with easy draws. It's mad that City managed to avoid Shakhtar. They always get Shakhtar. <laughs> yeah, or Club Bruges. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cardiff go to Liverpool. Brighton go to Spurs. And Forest get Leicester, having dumped out Arsenal. And Bournemouth are at home to fifth-tier Boreham Wood. So wish them well. It wasn't a great fourth round draw, to be honest, but it was an enjoyable third round weekend, I have to say. Now, sadly, that brings us on to the League Cup. Spurs went out in the semi-final to Chelsea, which wasn't a massive surprise, but they did so by losing both legs to Chelsea, not scoring a goal, and uh, without mincing my words, just being utterly woeful. It was a bad start at Chelsea, uh, which I, I watched on telly, but, you know, I didn't quite agree with the, I think it was Andy Hinchcliffe or someone like that, the co-commentator really rounding on Tanganga for his errors. I mean, easy to misplace a pass in the first few minutes of a tense cup semi-final London derby like that. And then the second goal, when he heads it at Ben Davies and it goes in, I think he was saying something, George, you saw this, didn't you? I think he was saying something like he, he should have headed it he should have headed it between Davies and the post, but that gap was about, I don't know, a foot or so. I don't, I don't know how uh, he thinks he can laser guide his defensive clearing headers, but anyway. I, I subjected to lots of Hinchcliffe when we are in the championship, and he yeah. he loves to get on the back of a player, especially a youngster, then yeah. Tanganga. I mean, I think we said off air, didn't we, at the time, like if, if that had just gone a few inches either side, it would called it a great clearing header. It yeah, just, or it, or it would have gone in, which you did, wouldn't want either yeah. as an own goal. So there were much, yeah, it was much just, bigger, much bigger problems with your performance than Porto yeah, it was and Ganga. <laughs> bad luck. But in in terms of that first leg, what I wanted to say basically was those were little errors, and then actually being two 0 down early to a very strong looking Chelsea side. If I have to say it, European champions, as they kept reminding us vocally, you know. Uh, it wasn't actually that bad to come out of that first leg only two goals in arrears because they could easily have uh, run up the score, as the Americans say, and just finished it. So I went to the stadium the following week with some certain amount of hope and all the talk outside the ground before the game and milling around on the concourse and whatever, all the talk was about an early goal. We'll get the early goal and this and this and that. And there was plenty of positivity coming out of the club and the social media channels and all this stuff. And then a great big light show and music and Conte interviews and all this crap. And then the first half, honestly, I, we, couldn't, we couldn't lay a glove on them. And we just sat back and uh, to say that we played within ourselves would be an enormous understatement. It just literally just, I, I think I, I, at times I was watching the Chelsea players wondering what was going through their heads, just thinking, how easy is this? Honestly, just passing it around all night and uh, nobody fighting for anything, nobody putting a tackle in. I was uh, just a few row, rows behind the goal, so I saw almost nothing first half because it was all the other end. But in the second half, especially, well, 
first half I saw the goal go in right in front of me, a Mason Mount corner, who then proceeded to stick his tongue out at us after the abuse we gave him. But I mean, another point is just after they scored, just after the opposition scored, especially in a uh, derby like that, like that, we usually make a lot of noise. We uh, sing, come on you Spurs and all sorts of sort of rallying cries to get the team back up. The silence was absolutely deafening after this goal. You could hear a pin drop except for the away end and nobody could bring themselves to urge this team on because that's how hopeless they were. They weren't giving us any kind of uh, inspiration I mean, essentially just never passing the halfway line. So it's just, oh, it was really, really appalling. Another comment I would make was that uh, having contracted coronavirus just before Christmas and thankfully recovered well, one thing that I noted on Wednesday, my first game back in the stadium since having it and since quarantining, was that I definitely, I think we would all agree, you two, that uh, I have a powerful set of lungs historically i can vouch for that absolutely (laughs) i I definitely found it difficult to sing so you know sort of like and i and i was not one of those who uh was unwilling to to urge the team on i I certainly was wanting to get behind them but it, it i had a bit of it caused me a bit of discomfort in my in my chest singing giving it my all singing at top level so that was that was something to note I love that we've pivoted here from the big football issues to a uh, a quick recap on the post-COVID symptoms. Yeah, it's just it's just something that struck me that yeah. uh, my my uh, football supporting voice has been impacted when otherwise I consider myself fully recovered, thankfully. But yeah, uh, awful game, awful first half, especially not much better second half. Maybe around the hour hour mark, uh, they rallied slightly. A couple of decisions, a couple of sort of. Yeah, questionable decisions when the fans got on the refs back, and then and then suddenly a couple of players make a couple of tackles. But if anything, that just infuriated me because it showed what they were capable of that they were not doing. And I just want to make the basic point that this is certainly by instruction. These are not these are players that I saw many of them players that I saw under Poch. I didn't go to any games under Nuno, but you know did fall asleep uh, watching them on TV. But uh, these these are players that where I know what they are capable of, many of them. And uh, they're just, apart from Lucas, who really stands out in terms of effort and, and his recent form as well. And Kane, who, who, to be fair to him, you know, on a night like that, you actually feel sorry for him that he has to play with this lot. Um, and you can really understand why he wants to move or wanted a move. Um, he looked he look thoroughly fed up. Yeah, exactly. Half. And the commentators, um, the commentators really got on Mora's back because he wasn't breaking stride to do anything. Well, this is what I mean. This is this is yeah. definitely by instruction because then second mm, half, mm. when when they get stuck in, you can see Mora is the first to do that. They they are being told to sit back as they were under Nuno, and I don't know what you know. There's all these. Can't statistics. be surprised. You don't appoint Conte for free flowing attacking football, they do. Yeah, but we saw all those stats about the increased running between Nuno and Conte, and we and he's had the good results against the smaller teams. But um, no disrespect, George. But um, how can you do that twice if it failed so miserably in the first leg against Chelsea? Mm. How can you adopt the exact same tactic again? Definition and it's worse, of insanity. It's worse than that, actually, because there have been more than these two legs of the semi-final. There's also been the game against Morecambe, the game against Leeds, other games where his system simply hasn't worked at all and he's had to change it at half-time. 
So the, the reason that the second half of the first leg was better was because he let them play 4-4-2 for a bit, he let them do what they want. But every time that he imposes his system on them, they seem uncomfortable with it. And I think he's sort of saying, buy me some new players and wait a year and it will work. But does that make a good manager? I mean, are we living in an age where the manager just comes in and you have to conform to their system and there's no perception that what that a good manager managerial skill might be applying your tactics to to suit the personnel that you've come in to manage is that yeah. just gone i was saying in his defense he won the league with chelsea having switched from you know got battered with four at the back December yeah. 2016. Remember when he made that tactical change yeah. after Arsenal? Exactly, yeah. So what what needs to happen for him to do that here? I don't know. Yeah, I get your point because did more or less the same squad of players has achieved much better things. So, and, and you know, your game just after Christmas against Crystal Palace, granted it was only Crystal Palace, but I thought that was the Spurs of pre-Nuno coming back. You know, it was, there was some lovely attacking play, like you're going to score every time you attack. And that's the kind of Spurs that, that Pochettino managed but it's yeah. gone backwards since then That's no so george do you see what i mean when i say that Absolutely. we know what what they're capable of the players Absolutely. as individuals yeah. and as a team because we saw that great game against liverpool and wins yeah. such as the game against palace yeah. and then to see them quite clearly being told tactically instructed to sit back and do nothing and to not even go in for tackles which all football fans around the world want to see in a derby and a, and a semi-final just to not see that and, and moreover, to not see it twice when it hasn't worked exactly. in a week and, is just and infuriating. And when you've really got nothing to lose, because you, exactly. you know, you're down exactly. in the tie, you're down in the tie anyway, so you might as well just go yeah. for it. And there was nothing. I, I Yeah, I really felt for you going to that mm. game because it was supposed to be your celebration of coming out of quarantine and you were treated <laughs> to that absolute mess. Um, well, so, I dare say that uh, the, the, the North London derby was due to be four days later. And of course, I've been looking mm. forward to it. I, I just want to remind you guys that it's been five years now that we haven't had a derby match with Arsenal in front of our own fans in our own stadium because of COVID and Wembley and all that stuff. So five years have been waiting for this date only for the Gooners to call it off, of course. But there is that part of me that really wasn't looking forward to the idea that that Conte would adopt that kind of tactic. I don't know whether he would against Arteta, but the mere thought of it gives me the creeps. So after all that ranting, apologies, uh, someone else talked to me about uh, Arsenal who uh, got that very predictable Xhaka red card. He's either suspended or sent off each week, isn't he? But... uh, (laughs) But they held on for uh, quite a good result at Anfield. Did anyone see this? Yeah, they did, to their credit. They, they really um, put a really disciplined defensive display and it didn't take any goalkeeping heroics to keep Liverpool out. They were just very organised and they're well in the tie. Yeah, this Thursday place. night at the Emirates. If, if they both feel like playing it, that is... Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so not much time for a roundup of what's happened in Europe, but just very quickly over the last two weeks, when we had our cup weekend, there was league football across the big leagues in Europe, uh, a sort of reshuffled Bayern Munich side, no postponing things in the Bundesliga. Uh, uh, Bayern had to make do and put out their second keeper and a few other fringe players, and they lost to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who beat them uh, frighteningly regularly over the last decade. That was in front of no fans because depending on which state you're in in Germany, you've got different rules as to who's how many are permitted into the stadium. And in Bavaria, it's zero. So there was nobody there. There were a few fans uh, there to see 
the incredible Dortmund comeback at Frankfurt. Frankfurt took a 2-0 lead and uh, Dortmund uh, won it 3-2 with an equalising header from Jude Bellingham. Uh, and this week, this midweek in Germany is the Cup. I think I've mentioned a few times already that they've got uh, a Berlin derby, uh, Hertha against Union, should be a big game. And also uh, Dortmund are away at Sao Pauli, which is a very interesting match in terms of uh, fan followings. I don't know how many are going to be let in there, but that'll be feisty. Um, and Bayern have already been dumped out by of course, Borussia Mönchengladbach again earlier in the season, so they won't be playing. Um, in Spain, there was the Super Cup in Saudi Arabia, La Liga selling its wares in the Middle East. Uh, nothing to see here. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a very exciting El Clasico as a semi-final to that, um, where Benzema is just on an absolute hot streak. He also scored in the final. They won it yesterday against Athletic Bilbao, having beaten Barca in a in a really exciting semi-final that went to extra time and pleased the locals in Riyadh. But really, the action in Spain was actually in Spain. Um, and that was the Copa del Rey tie, the Seville derby, where Betis, who I talked up a few shows ago, uh, eventually got a win uh, at home against City rivals Sevilla. I say eventually because they played on Saturday, but there was an item thrown onto the pitch at Sevilla's uh, Juan Joada, I think it is. And this makes even the objects thrown at Ellen Road look uh, pretty meek, George, because <laughs> this was a kind of, I don't know, uh, a, a sort of long bar of material. I, th- I think it can't be pure metal because that would have knocked him out, but it's sort of a plastic rod or something was thrown at him from quite far away. Um, and that obviously suspended the game. And then they decided to play it the next day, <laughs> very sadly behind closed doors, because the atmosphere there obviously it spilled over to the ugly side, but the atmosphere at a Seville derby is amazing. But Betis still got the win. And otherwise, uh, Real Madrid bounced back from a New Year's loss at Getafe and beat Valencia 4-1. So still have a, a, a big lead in the league, a big enough lead over Sevilla. Um, and in Italy, it's all Mourinho, isn't it? Because just after they restarted the league after New Year. They lost at Milan 3-1 with two red cards, I think. And then they had this amazing game at home to Juventus where they went 3-1 up, including yet another goal for Tammy Abraham, who uh, Mourinho has been quoted as saying he's trying to create a monster striker for Gareth Southgate in Tammy Abraham. He's playing very well. Pellegrini, the captain, uh, put a wonderful free kick in to make it 3-1 after 53 minutes. And Roma looked like they were on for a big win from Mourinho. But then Juve scored three times in seven minutes. Locatelli, Kulusevski and Deschilio. And then just to make it even worse for old Jose, just before the end, Captain Pellegrini missed a penalty that would have made it 4-4. So just incredible um, goings on. And wherever there's wherever Mourinho goes, there's high drama and not many positive results at the moment. Okay, so next weekend, we are unfortunately faced with another trip to Chelsea, um, where I can only hope that Conte will adopt slightly different tactics. If not, it will be grim. And you guys, we've discussed... Chelsea have got one win and five. Yeah, I know, but... Um, They've just beaten us twice in another competition so and found it very easy. Then we've already discussed Leeds have got Newcastle, huge game, especially for the visitors there. And most people will be behind Leeds, won't they? 
and uh, West Ham go to Old Trafford in uh, what is a massive game for the uh, battle for Europe, if you consider yourself still in that, Nick. But um, Well, let's talk after Brentford. Can't take yeah. that for granted. You've got maybe. Brentford first, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm very worried. I won't lie, Alex. I'm very worried. I think West Ham are a better team all over the pitch, and I've said that a few times this year. And, and they won be, there in the League Cup. They won there in the League Cup, and they will be hungry to avenge that last-minute missed Mark Noble penalty from earlier in the season. Yeah, that seems a long time ago. That it was that a long does, time yeah. ago. Yeah. And it's Brentford away. Brentford is away. Should be a good watch that game. In, in itself, United moving that has made it a more tricky fixture because it's now under the lights midweek yeah. as opposed to a weekend. I yeah, and that, I, I've mentioned before, I'd, I've not seen a team with a bigger difference in atmosphere from yeah. a weekend lunchtime to a under the lights midweek than that Griffin Park. Uh, well, the Brentford Community Stadium has its name now. But yeah. Anyway, great stuff, guys. Um, I'll see you next week. We'll discuss those games and the midweek fair. Not me. Uh, Nick will be away. We'll fill your seat somehow. I know it'll be tough. Okay. Uh, cheers, Nick. Cheers. And bye, George. Bye-bye, thank you. Enjoy the feeling. <laughs> Never lasts forever. Bye-bye.